Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Off The Bench. The biggest names in Aussie sport are here every weekend. Yeah, welcome to Off The Bench. G'day, it's Jason Matthews here for another week. Very soon we'll hear from Matty White, Sports Day's Matty White and get his thoughts on that horrific Grosjean accident we saw in the F1 in Bahrain during the week. We'll catch up with him real soon. But uh, we thought we'd catch up with uh, Michael Maguire, the head coach of the West Tigers, to see how pre-season's coming along at the Tigers. Good to talk to you, Madge. I hope you're you're well-rested because it it seems as though... Uh, there's no rest for the wicked. You guys have been in the market, uh, you know, picking up players. I see Joe Fangawi is doing the club, so that's a that's a, a big positive. Yeah, badge. We're uh, obviously always looking to improve and uh, yeah, ch- create change around what we're doing. Uh, obviously, yeah, you know, we we're all chasing to to get into that eight and move higher. Uh, so obviously, uh, with someone like Joey coming in, and we've got Jimmy Tarmow, and uh, we've got people like Jimmy Roberts coming in. Uh, we're looking forward to some change with the team. Uh, and also growing a lot of the younger kids that we've been able to uh, debut over the last sort of 12 months. Uh, so, yeah, we're sort of uh, adding a little bit of experience at the top and also looking forward to our younger kids coming through um, with what they've been doing and growing over the last sort of 12 months. Yeah, great. And uh, look, I'm not sure how much you want to say about this, but I'm, I'm absolutely filthy and I've voiced this about the way Josh Alloy has left your club and uh, not just him. I've seen so much of it over the last few years. Players get a better offer elsewhere, it seems to me, and just decide, you know, to find a, ra- a way through their managers or whatever to, to leave. And I, 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 do we need to change the rules around players leaving clubs mid-contract? Is it, is it everyone at, at the Tigers and other clubs upset about this? Yeah, Badger, I, I think definitely the game needs to have a look at it. I guess in some way it works uh, both ways at some stages. You know, you you've got players on the move or clubs moving players, those sorts of different things. But I'd like to be able to see some rulings, I suppose, around what can happen in that space. And uh, look, yeah, we, we've gone through that change now and you know, we've got Joey coming in. So we're looking forward to obviously him coming in. But you know, when it uh, does happen to a club, uh, look, you know, it creates uh, some form of anxiety at times. So look, mm. yeah, I think it works in both ways. But what we need to do now is move forward and look forward you know, with uh, the players that we've got and, you know, we started back with our senior boys today and, you know, there's a, a lot of excitement about sort of the team at the moment. We have gone through some change. You know, we've had some significant uh, popular players uh, in Benji and Chrissy Lawrence uh, move on and, you know, it, it sort of uh, creates opportunity for, for the players that are currently with us. So, look, I'm looking forward to yeah, really how we grow throughout this pre-season and um, there was a lot of energy around the, the organisation, so it's an it's a enjoyable place when it's like that. Yeah, good, good. Can I just I just want to run this by because I've got this idea that if a player wants to leave a club mid-contract, you've got a year or two to go, they can't sign for any other club for any more money. Would that work? Well, I think it would. Uh, but obviously then, you know, clubs are looking to pay players in the following years. And look, everyone does that and it creates an opportunity for players to go on and prosper if their current club isn't sort of looking for the future of that player. But mm. I think that would be um, a starting point for us to 
be able to make sure that you know we can't then you know utilise that to be able to lure players across in, in a certain way. But look, in saying that, I guess uh, until those rules come in, you know we're playing in this um, arena and. Yeah, you know, one thing about sort of Joey coming in, you know, he's a player that is probably in a different circumstance, but we're fortunate enough to be able to um, grab a player of that experience. Uh, and look, he's really hungry to get himself back to the way he knows he can play and the way we've seen him play. So I guess in one way we've been able to uh, do well off the back of the situation. Yeah, um, yeah Michael Maguire is with us currently here on, on Sports Day. Uh, Madge, you, you mentioned James Roberts earlier. How is he settling in uh, at the club? And is he fully fit? Is he over his injuries he had at South? Yeah, he is. He isn't back with us at the moment. He should be around us uh, in the next two weeks. But uh, he's looking really healthy and uh, really positive. Uh, he's got some really good people around him. And uh, I think, you know, I've met... Oh, sorry, I had a lot to do with Jimmy um, as a young boy coming through uh, at South there. So... I've got a sort of a long-standing connection with Jimmy over the years, and um, look, we all know that uh, you know he's been through a bit, but the headspace he's in at the moment is probably the best I've seen him. So I'm looking forward to having him with us and be able to help him uh, both on and off the field. And you know he's very uh, keen to get himself playing the way he knows he can because you know there's a lot of years left in him. Hell of a player. It just it looks to me like he has to be happy off the field, uh, or he's not going to be able to get the best out of himself. So you'd, you'd have a a few people around there to, to, to look after that, that off-field stuff, Madge, would you? Yeah, we do. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're building a big, uh, strong Indigenous program along with all the different cultures at the club, Badge. So to have those sorts of uh, people around him, I think, is a real positive for us. And, uh, you know, if we create the right environment, is um, we're looking forward to Jimmy you know, getting back to his best. And mm. like you said, look, when they're happy, I think that's for all players. If, you know, we can create that right environment where they enjoy coming to work and... They're really keen to do well for each other and build that mateship that we know footy teams are all about. Well, I think that's sort of the environment that we're uh, pushing for here at the West Tigers. Madge, you've got a lot of uh, passionate West Tigers supporters sending us uh, texts through uh, the Sava, and I hope you don't mind me saying it's about uh, 50-50 on the, uh, on the Offengaway um, signing and a lot of positive stuff there as well. But a question oh. without notice here, mate. Um, young McIntyre. Um, did you want to keep him, or were you okay with him leaving the club? Oh, I was pretty keen to keep keep him, but salary cap does get you at some stage. And look, he he was um, offered an opportunity, and you know, the, sometimes it helps financially and all those sorts of different things. And you know, the salary cap plays a part in sometimes who you can and can't keep. So um, that was one there that uh, I'm very fond of Sam. Really great to watch him grow. Um, it was tough to see him leave but also to see him go on and uh, you know, be able to secure some long time um, within a contract to be able to, to move on. But, uh, you know, I'm very fond of Sammy. Yeah. yeah, it's a shame that he had to go. Uh, now, I've, I've seen the, the draw out for next year, but before that you've got a trial late February against the Raiders. I think all clubs are only going to have one trial next year. Is that right? Madge, because of yeah, the I think so. Madge, yeah, we've got the ability to be able to do another one, but I think yeah, with the way everyone, you know, you know, we finished quite late and those sorts of things. I think with the pre-season now, we're we're sort of going to utilise all our weeks, so we'll probably just have one trial. Did, did we learn this year that you don't have to have a heap of trials leading in? You know, when we had that what nine-week break and came back from and hit, you, everyone hit the ground pretty much running through that COVID-enforced uh, break, did they learn then that you don't need to perhaps have as many games in the lead-up? 
Yeah, I agree. I think uh, we a lot of my senior players have only had one trial at the start of this last season, and you know, we felt that was enough. I think with the way we train now and the high performance that we have around us, I, I don't think you need to play too much in that space. And I wouldn't be surprised if some players don't play a trial at all, uh, yeah. depending on how they're feeling and how they're travelling throughout the pre-season. Wow, wow. So you're happy with the draw overall? You've had a good look through it, the West Tigers draw? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Brad, you know, at the end of the day, mate, we are given the draw and that's the one we dealt with. So true, I, I just treat true. it as, a, you know, you, you've got to start your journey on the first game and then go from there. Uh, so whoever you have to play, mate, you start from start to finish and we've got a big focus on just growing what we're doing um, with our new players coming in and I'm looking forward to getting, uh, you know, someone like Jimmy Tarmow. Uh, we've got Paul Momorowski coming back to us from Melbourne that's been in yeah. and around the grand final. Yeah. So yeah, wow. uh, we, we've got a few players that are going to add to uh, a lot of the things we're doing. Exciting times ahead, hopefully, for West Tigers fans uh, next season. Madge, have you been watching the cricket? Have you had any downtime where you could, you know, put your feet up, have a cold and watch the cricket? <laughs> oh, I definitely had a few after um, we got out of the bubble. It was very nice to be able to get out of that for a while. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as you stated at the start of the interview, there's been a fair bit going on at our club. So uh, we're always <laughs> sort of doing something in the background. But it was nice to have a couple of cold beers once we got out of that bubble. Mate, one of our Indeed. topics today, we're just asking our listeners, who's who's the best batsman right now, Coley or Smith? What do you reckon? Oh, the honest oh, question, if Smith. you say Coley, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, Smith, I think, uh, mate, the way he's been playing and you know, oh. over such a long period of time, mate, he's an outstanding cricketer. Yeah, he is, isn't he? All right. Yeah, uh, I, I, just, I just enjoy watching him, boys, from a point of view of how he's so into his cricket. You know, he's so dedicated, but every ball he's treat, treating it like his last and he, he gets everything out of it. So, you know, that's a top-class that's a top, uh, top sportsman, that one. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Michael Maguire, we appreciate you joining us on Sports Day and uh, good luck. Uh, have a good Christmas, by the way. You've been on the show a few times this year and we appreciate it, mate. Hope you and the family have a great Christmas. Yeah, thanks, boys. Thanks for having me on, and you too. Have a great Christmas. This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Yeah, welcome back to Off the Bench. Jason Matthews here. I hope your weekend is going well so far. Uh, during the week on Sports Day, we caught up with uh, Matty White, our Sports Day uh, motor racing expert. We covers a lot of sports, Matty. And the thing that was dominating the news during the week was that horrific Grosjean crash in the Bahrain Formula One last weekend. And, and Matty White had some uh, interesting thoughts around this. I want to express my... Um, disgust and disappointment with with Formula One. Um, the way the the incident of Grosjean was broadcast over and over, the replays over and over, uh, it was completely disrespectful and inconsiderate for his family, for all of our families watching. We're going to go race again in an hour, and every time we look on the TV, it's a ball of fire, um, and his car's cut in half. I mean, we don't we can see that tomorrow. We don't need to see it today, and. I, I just, for me, it was entertainment, and they're they're playing with, playing with all of our emotions, and I thought it was pretty disgusting. A man with a view on this and Dan Ricardo's comments is Matty White. G'day, Matty. G'day, guys. Yeah, what an interesting, um, what an interesting thing to hear Dan Daniel Ricardo say, and the way that he said it, Jason Badge. I mean, the way that he spoke after that crash and in that interview is something that I haven't really heard Daniel Ricciardo um, in the tone of his voice as well. But, um, 
Yeah, wow. What what a night at the Bahrain Grand Prix. Yeah. He sounded pretty shook up, didn't he, um, Dan Ricardo? But I um, I see that some some people like Alan Jones have um, said he was surprised, and that if he's not aware of the dangers, he should give up. I think he might be sort of getting the wrong twist on that, Alan Jones. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think AJ's probably taken a little bit little bit further down the road than I would have. I I think that Daniel Ricciardo is wrong in what he's saying there. I think he's way off the mark, and I'm a huge supporter of of Daniel. Um, and have been for a long, long time. He's he's one heck of a competitor. He, he certainly knows the game inside out. But he's got this one completely wrong by saying that the Formula One broadcasters were disrespectful, that it was disgusting, that it wasn't, um, you know, considerate of, of Romain Grosjean's family and the races themselves. I mean, they're pretty heavy words to use. Now he's, he's wrong on a couple of on a couple of counts here. One, there is a very detailed protocol that goes on between Formula One, uh, Formula One broadcasting, which is done by the sport itself on site, and the race control and race officials. So there's a, there's a very clear and, and distinct protocol that goes into place before any replay is shown in Formula One, uh, let alone you know shown over and over again. Mm. And a lot of that goes behind the fact that they, they need to know that the driver is okay and in a position they're in a position to show uh, a replay to help try and understand what happened. So on, a, on one side, they're also trying to educate the commentators who are commentating about this. They're trying to educate the fans at home as to why it happened, but they would never do it if Romain Grosjean had have been more seriously injured. You wouldn't have seen it. And then it probably would have been even harder to comprehend. So I think so- Dan's got it, got it wrong on, on that count. Sorry, Jace, I think he's got it... Absolutely wrong on that count because um, by the time Romain Grosjean had got out of the car and the replay was shown, he was okay. They knew that he was essentially okay. He hadn't lost his life in that accident, which he well could have, um, and they knew that he was off to the medical doctor and in the care uh, of the safety team. So that that's one count. That's where Dan's got the, the, the read of the play wrong. I think the other thing, too, is for him to say that this is all about, you know, this is playing with our minds as drivers while we're sitting here watching replay after replay and waiting to go back out racing again. I actually think that he's probably not wrong on that count, but he's speaking with a lot of shock and emotion after what he's witnessed. And to me, that speaks to the magnitude and gravity of this crash. They knew, those drivers knew how close... Romain Grosjean came to dying in that incident. He, by all accounts, would have lost his life if the halo wasn't on the car, and it would have been a horrific accident. So I mm. think to have a microphone under your face after that while you're waiting to go back out there, to me, doesn't say that he's, he's so rattled that he doesn't want to go back out. I, I don't think that's the case. These guys can, can be kind of bulletproof, but I think it shows that if you sat down with Dan Ricciardo today... I wonder if he would have said the same thing in hindsight without the emotion of what was happening at the time. Mm. Maddie, you you believe an hour's time between an accident like that and restarting the race, that's, that's fair enough? Or should have the race just been postponed altogether? No, it's fair enough. I mean, look, it's, as long as the integrity of the track and the safety of the integrity of the track is, is not... Um, damage to a point where if somebody went off like that again in that point that there could have been an even worse accident, that's when you want to shut the whole thing down. But they're pretty good, these guys. I mean, that safety crew was there in a flash 
um, they would have fixed up the barrier that needed fixing um, and then made sure that it was okay to go again. So crashes happen a lot in, in Formula One. These guys know that they are risking their lives when they go out there, but we've got to remember that, thankfully, you know, the, the deaths that used to happen back in the day when almost every second week somebody was losing their life, that just isn't acceptable now and it doesn't happen, which is why when you come so close to it, like Romain Grosjean did at Bahrain, that, um, that they'll, they'll, that's why they were a little bit rattled. They would have got back on, got back on with the job. And by then, guys, they would have known that Grosjean was okay. I mean, they they would have known that because that's what circulated around pit lane very, very quickly. So they knew that he he would have suffered some burns. They knew that he they thought that he had a a fractured rib. It was a 50 g crash at the point of impact. 50 g force going through that car and his body. So it was an enormous, enormous crash. And mm. my take on it is that Romain Grosjean wouldn't have been in hospital or we wouldn't have been talking about this if he didn't do something stupid on lap one um, and that was crash the car when he didn't need to. So, Whoa, so he, of, he's, he's, he was a bit reckless, was he? Mate, uh, lap one of a race, and if you take a look at the replay, and what I did last night, I went home and you know pretty much forensically looked at it and the overhead shot is really telling. Now, on lap one, coming up the straight up there at Bahrain, and I've, I've been to Bahrain, I've been to that circuit, I know what it's like, our supercars ro- uh, drove there quite a few years ago. He, he decides to try and pierce his way in front of Danny Kvyat, um, and there's another car ahead of him. So Kvyat's beside him, and he shoots across to the right-hand side of the circuit when there's no need to. There's absolutely no need to do it at that time. He's trying to make up position, I think it's about 19. He's way down the back of the field. And what he ends up doing is drift straight across in front of Kvyat, who tries to drift out of the way. But he keeps going, Grosjean. Now, whether he's lost control or not, he, he needs to be in the position of not, having, not crashing into another car as they come out of turn three at 220 to 250 k's an hour. Yeah, so he, he clips Danny Kvyat's front wheel ends up getting spun around perpendicular to the barrier and ends up going straight through it. To my way of thinking, guys, he shouldn't have been in that position, especially on the first lap, especially at that point of the track. And he's got history. He's got form. He's, he's been known as... Well, Mark Webber called him, back in the day, called him a first lap nutcase. And he's got a lot of form <laughs> about, about taking people off on the first lap. So I'm thankful that, that Romain Grosjean's come through this obviously he's, he's a terrific fella and he's been around formula one for a long time i'm blown away by the magnitude of the crash but i also think they need to sort of have a look here and and, and they need to just come back and say well why did it happen it happened because somebody did what they shouldn't be doing out there and it could have been a lot worse yeah. for a lot of people can, can the governing body take licenses off drivers or not allow them to drive i, I you, imagine yeah they mate could. you can you can suspend them, and he's been suspended before. Um, and when back in the years when when Mark was saying <laughs> saying those rather derogatory words about him, but you know he wasn't real happy about it. He was coming off a holiday; he'd already been parked for a little bit. So I, look, I think the thing is, you know, that's just my my take on this accident. And and the further you go into it, you know, the more there is to it, and there's so many layers. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I wonder whether he's going to be fit enough or mentally right enough to dive back into the chair for, for back-to-back Bahrain races. But he's lost his job at Haas for next year anyway, so it's probably the last time, um, definitely the last year, that we'll see Romain Grosjean in Formula 1. But I think 
you know, we, we shouldn't certainly make light of the fact, because I've got to tell you that, that he has walked away from something that by all rights in that game and in that sport, he should never have walked away from. That was as horrific and as scary and as, and as, and as close to tragic as you're ever going to get. And he's just he's got he's just sustained some burns on his arms oh, and it's hands. Amazing hasn't technology. He? Is, that, is that all? Yeah, and he was in his car for eighteen seconds. The thing went Gee. into a fireball on impact. So the thing that saved his life was the halo that was introduced, which was introduced which he was to protect against. the drivers. Yeah, which he was against, and and now he's saying that uh, he made the wrong call on that one. But if he didn't have that halo, that barrier would have gone straight towards his head. And it's Whoa. just as simple as that. I mean, weirdly enough, guys, the, the fireball afterwards was was probably not as dangerous, if I can say it like that, as the impact itself. Because to survive that impact and go through a barrier, that's that's step number one. I mean, that's go straight to the lottery mm. counter and buy as many as you can. But then to be able to get out of a car like that within, you know, under 20 seconds that's, that's on fire and, and get over the barriers... It was in 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 so many ways. It was his unluckiest day that turned out to be a lucky one. Is there any truth that they designed that halo directly from the cone of silence in Mad Max in, in uh, Get Smart? <laughs> <laughs> Just well, we're having a good chat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? When they did the designs, I remember when they were looking at the designs. They were they were looking at some closed cockpits, and that's exactly what they looked at. The cone, they looked like the cone <laughs> silent. So you're there spot you on, go. mate. Thankfully, they came up with the halo, which everyone thought was ugly and, and horrible and, and wouldn't last. Um, it, it's here to stay. It's done exactly what it was See, designed Woody, to do. Which yeah. Woody thought I was. What do you think I was trying to make light of it? They did design off that. Gary, Gary Belcher with the hard-hitting questions here on Sports Day. Hey, Matty, thanks for explaining all that. And it's amazing. Once the emotion is taken out of a lot of things, uh, we start to see some. We start to have some clarity on the situation. And, and today uh, we are seeing that, mate. We appreciate your time on Sports Day. No worries, fellas. This is Off the Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Yeah, welcome back to Off the Bench. Jason Matthews here as we look at the highlights uh, from the week on Sports Day and some of the big names we've chatted to. Uh, none bigger than this guy is getting prepared to take on Mark Hunt December 16 at Bankwest. Paul Gallen. Hey, listen, big fight coming up uh, on December 16 at Bankwest. This man will be taking on Mark Hunt. He's joining us on the line now, Paul Gallen. G'day, Gal. Welcome to Sports Day. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Mate, you've had a big day. You're in Brisbane and you've just flown home and, and a bit of time with us here on Sports Day. Mate, um, we're talking about sporting idols before we get into the, the, the fight we're going to talk about. Who was your sporting idol when you were growing up? Uh, I love Brad Clyde as a player and probably uh, Michael Jordan. I used to have all the Michael Jordan videos when I was a kid. So uh, to watch the last dance recently was pretty cool as well. The great, great Bradley Clyde, yes. Well, you played with, play with him, Bates? Yeah, lots yeah. with Clyde, yeah. 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 Sats' uh, boyhood idol as well. Hey, um, Gal, I know the preparations probably haven't been perfect given that you uh, you hurt your, your, your biceps, um, but how, how is that coming along? Is it going to be fully functional when the, the big fight happens in a couple of weeks? Yeah, yeah no, I'll be okay. It, um, sort of at the start of October now, so it's been over a couple of months. I, I didn't get a lot done didn't do anything basically for probably four weeks and then started punching again the next couple of weeks and started sparring um, a couple of weeks ago. So it's going good now and 
Uh, yeah, I've got no no issue with that at the moment. It's going pretty good. Just got to get um, the rest of my body right. I suppose half the battle is getting into the ring, to be honest, with all the hard training you got to do. And as you get a little bit older, it takes a little bit longer to recover. And uh, it's been it's been pretty tough, but I've probably got, um, you know, to be honest, maybe maybe another four or five days of, of hard training. That's about it. Yeah, okay. And then a bit of backing off. I heard you, or read you've been, you had trouble getting some sparring partners, something to do with maybe the respect that they have for, for Mark Hunt. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, early on, we uh, a lot of guys that I would normally spar and uh, that I have sparred before who are friends with Mark or, or who know Mark and the respect they have for him and what he's done uh, in combat sports wouldn't help me basically so i uh, had to find you guys which we did find and over the past three weeks it's been pretty good to be honest and then today i would have gone up earlier and spied alex leopine and herman purcell had borders allowed but obviously they've been shut due to COVID, so i had to wait till that mm. finish which uh, obviously finished yesterday and today i spent the day traveling up to brisbane and um spy them two boys and, and come back home so it's been it's been a long day do you, do you, Gal, do you spend much time looking at the way that he fights? I, mean, I know he's, he says you've got more boxing experience, which is right, but he's obviously been a UFC fighter for a long, long time. Do you watch much of the way he does does his stuff? Yeah, I was a huge fan of Mark, probably um, before all this, but it's very hard to get footage of any recent footage, to be honest. So the UFC and the issues he's having with them, he's take, they're basically taking all the footage down. So you can only get old K1 fights of Mark Hunt where he's an absolute beast. He's knocking people out and he's getting kicked in the head and getting up and most 20 years ago. So it's you know, it's just not uh, not really relevant, to be honest. And a lot of that's kickboxing, which is what that, that was when he was a, a K1 world champion. And that was through kickboxing before he went to uh, mixed martial, art, martial arts. So it's a little bit irrelevant, a lot of that stuff. And boxing's a, you know, it's a totally different sport. You know, people think it's very similar because you throw punches, but... At the end of the day, that the distance that you have between your opponents is totally different. Your footwork is totally different. There's a there's a lot of things that are totally different, and um, yeah, he knows that. He uh, he said on Fox Sports too, Gal, that you're the only one with a point to prove. Have a listen to this. I've been fighting such a long time. I mean, the only person that's got a point to prove is, is Paul. To be honest, um, I'm a prize fighter at heart. Inside the ring, octagon, whatever you call it, and outside. So um, it's not my ass on the line here. I mean, he's the one that called me out for this. So, you know, I'm just obliging with it. <laughs> of course, I'm a, I'm a fighter at heart. I'm a fighter in the ring. I'm octagon. I'm a true fighter at heart. I, um, I, I share that in what I do in life. And um, especially with this fight, I mean, it's like every, everyone getting up and going to a day job. I mean, I, the guy knocks me about fighting for money, but um, I do it because I love my kids, family. And uh, I don't know why he's fighting for. He's a part-time fighter, full-time grub. A bit of a swipe at you at the end there, Gal, calling you a full-time grab. Is this is this just talk to sell tickets, or is there animosity between the two of you? Yeah, look, there is now. And I, I did an interview with Salvo, and mate, I, I had the utmost respect for Mark Hunt, but some of the things he's gone on about here are uh, probably a bit below the belt. And look, being called a grub, that's, that's the least of my worries. I couldn't care less about that. But some, some of his – I don't know where he's getting a lot of his um, – I suppose, points from. For starters, he said I called him out five years ago. That's insane. I was playing Origin five years ago, and then, <laughs> that's like 2015, 16. Like, I'm not calling Mark out when I'm, when I'm out when I'm playing footy. I don't know where he gets that information from. He said I've called him old and fat and slow. Those words have never come out of my mouth. And then he seems to be into me about him being a prize fighter. 
and I consider myself a prize fighter too. There's not a chance in the world I'm getting in that boxing ring without getting paid and getting paid very handsomely for it. So I don't know where he's getting his information from. I don't know whether people are telling him it and he just believes it or whether he's making it up to fire himself up. I, I don't know. And all those comments there about having a go about him making money, totally untrue. I don't know where he got that from. And, and as I said, the rest of it's untrue as well. So I'm not sure where a lot of that's coming from, but mate, it's part and parcel, the build-up of it. Mm. And, you know, whatever relationship we did have, no, there wasn't really one anyway. I've caught up for coffee a few times. That was about it. But yeah, yeah, probably won't happen again. Oh, well, okay. Did he? And he really did text you asking if you're on steroids that you get over your injury so quickly. Yeah, well, man, it's yeah, he did, and um, yeah, I replied to him. I, I I gave the reply to the papers the other day so they could print it. It's a ridiculous uh, thing to say, and man, it's no point sitting here trying to justify myself or. Or I explain myself. I just I said to him straight out, and I'll say it to you guys: test me anytime you want, day night. I've never had an, you know, I've, I've never, I'm not gonna say I've never had an issue because of what happened at Cronulla. But people get going back to what happened at Cronulla. Now, that's that was a club issue uh, with a lot of players involved. I, I just seem to be the one who has to wear it, which is part and parcel of who I am. I understand, but um, that I've I've never intentionally broken any rules, and um, I certainly won't be going forward. My my, my life after is just beginning. Life after football. You know, I've got a great job with mm. Channel Nine and. Some roles in in the uh, in the media on radio. There's just not a chance I'd be uh, you know even risking anything like that at all. Um, so that's uh, that's that point. And you know, as far as having a point to prove, I've got no point to prove. I'm 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 like him. I'm a prize for. I'm getting paid for this. This is a bloke who says he's been at the top of his game for 20 years and knocking people out left, right, and centre. He calls me a part-time fighter, which I am. A part-time fighter is going <laughs> to going to be going to be the bloke who's been a world champion. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. So who's, the, have you got, so who's the pressure really on? So yeah, who's the pressure well, really absolutely. on. Not me. Yeah. yeah. What's your, have you got plans for after this fight? Um, have you already? Oh, no, no, and 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 the Sunny Bill Williams fight. Well, here it's here it may never happen. Oh man, look, it's been spoken about for a long time now, and I'm and I'll hear and I'll say it, I'll say it again. I'm, I'm prepared to do it, um, but we heard nothing back. I don't know what's going on with Sunny. He's got a lot going on with uh, you know, rugby league contracts and whatnot. So I'm not. I'm not too sure if it will ever happen. And, and look, I, I just take things as they come. Matt Rose comes to me and George Rose comes to me and they float fights by me. They tell me how much they're going to pay me. If I want to do it, I'll do it. If I don't want to do it, I don't have to do it. I'm pretty fortunate. I've had a, a blessed rugby league career and I don't need to fight for the money. So um, if a fight comes up, I want to do it, I'll do it. But I am 40 years of age late next year, so I, I won't be fighting much past that. I can tell you that I'll be uh, retiring happily. Gal, did you did you box much as a young bloke? Was it was it always in your blood? Was it something you did, bef- you know, as a teenager maybe before you got right into the, um, you know, in, in made it in grade? Yeah, I did. Yeah, box, box as a kid and and um, box as a teenager and got back into. It. Ricky Stewart was the one who sort of got me back into it because he sort of come to the club and the preseason with Sticky is really hard. He makes you train hard, as you know. <laughs> he doesn't really have a football before Christmas around the area, and he sort of said to us. You know, go and do something else that you want to do. And I, and I went and started boxing again. And that was in 2007 after, as I said, done it as a kid. And I uh, just got, had a good relationship with the trainer there at the time and um, asked me if I've ever fought. And I said, oh, look, I, I don't want to fight. It doesn't interest me. And then obviously a couple of amateur opportunities come up, um, you know, 2011-12 type era and started them and won them. And it's just sort of gone from there. So it's uh, mm. it's something that I've always done and always enjoyed. But it's mainly been about fitness for footy, not for, not for fighting, which has turned into now. All right, Gal, I'm pumped. Badge, I'm pumped. Yeah, pumped for it, I want to get my tickets now to the fight on December 16th. Gal, we appreciate your time. I appreciate your time more than anyone else uh, in the Sports Day office because I'm sick of hanging around these Queensland bums 
all the time banging on about, oh, what a great Origin <laughs> 3 it was. It's great to have a Blues legend on the line just to back me up. And, Badge, you haven't mentioned State of Origin since Gow's been on the phone. Look, all I know is State of Origin, it's a great back the underdog. Oh, and Gal is a <laughs> massive underdog in this fight. I can't oh, believe it. Go. I can't no. believe it. How, how are you underdog? such a rank outsider in this match? Oh, look, I think, as, as he said, and when you look at his, his history and what he's done and, and the fact he's been a world champion in the combat sport and, and fought in the UFC, which is the, you know, the biggest combat sports arena in the world, I, I can understand I'm an underdog, without a doubt. But um, as I've said from the start, I'm going to shock everyone. All right, Gal. Appreciate your time, mate. I know it's been a big day for you. Thanks for joining us on Sports Day and good luck. Thanks, guys. See you later. Cheers, Thanks, Paul man. Gal in there. God, it's nice to have someone from the Blues on, <laughs> isn't it? And didn't you... You've been chasing you, him for weeks. I have. Well, I, you called him soft at the start of the show and I now did. you wouldn't say another word about you, it. You wussed out then. You never said anything. Look at you, you chicken. What do you mean? Do you want to borrow my chicken suit that I was going to wear to the Christmas party? This is Off The Bench. Welcome back to Off The Bench. Yeah, welcome back to Off The Bench. Jason Matthews here. I hope your weekend is going pretty well. The Big Bash uh, kicks off uh, next weekend um, in Canberra. The first, No, Hobart, the first game will be played. The Sydney Sixers versus uh, the Hobart Hurricanes. Uh, Buff Lehman, the coach of the Brisbane Heat, joined us during the week while he was having a hit of golf at Top Golf. Afternoon, boys. How are you all? Oh, good. Not as good as you at the moment. You're having a, a hit with the boys at uh, at Top Golf. How's that going? Yeah, well, they, they're hitting a long way, probably in the background, but I'm, I don't hit very far. That's <laughs> been an old bloke. So, you know, there, there's some very impressive golfers. James Hopes is probably our best, the former Australian player, but the young kids, Mornay Morkins hits a long ball. Chris Lynn's hitting them almost out onto the road. So it's quite a, quite a good fun. They're all giving it a whack. So good fun here at Top Golf. You've got a few new players in the uh, squad. You mentioned Mornay Morkel, and um, you have a couple of overseas players. Buff, how's the team looking for what well, the start of the comp for you guys end of next week? End of next week, mate. Yeah, we're all good to go. We're ready to actually get amongst them. I think everyone is, you know, Big Bash has been such a, a great tournament for, for everyone involved, the fans alike. So it's just good that we've got it up and running in this obviously strange year of COVID. Um, so there's some good young players coming through, and we're excited by them. No doubt at all. Actually, how are you? How are you? How's how are you looking? What approaching your fifty-first birthday? Given what happened earlier this year, you in good nick now? I am. I hope I don't have the same problems I had on my fiftieth <laughs> birthday and have a heart attack. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm actually all right, lads. It's been good. It's been obviously a change in lifestyle and uh, you know healthy look, outlook as such. And would you believe it? More and more, it's just stuffed it down the bottom. So he's getting ripped by the players as we speak. <laughs> Um, in the longest drive comp. But, yeah, no, I feel a lot better, obviously, lads, and, you know, enjoying life and, you know, looking forward to seeing these young guys play. So, you know, you get a second chance at it. So, yeah, going well. Thanks for yeah, asking. Good on you. Good, good on you. Good on you, both. Good it's uh, interesting to hear that Linny's putting them out of uh, top golf, out onto the Pacific Highway after what he did in grey cricket on the weekend. What was it, 155 or 150 off... How many balls? 20, 26 is oh, a bit high, 20, Yeah, yeah 26. Yeah. 140 in boundaries. 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 Hardly yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. He doesn't like running at the best of times, does he? We've got to get some work into him in that regard. <laughs> but, yeah, he was in good form. A lot of good performances from all the guys. But, yeah, they, they played a two ball there, and a couple of houses were in danger and the, and the train track. So it's good to see him come back. He didn't obviously play a lot in the IPL, and he's looking forward to a, a big BBL for us, for the Heat. And as captain, you want him to lead well and play well. So... 
you know, he's done everything right in the lead-up to our tournament. He's got another club round this weekend, so see what they can do from there. Oh, I read I read Lenny saying that he's learned a bit from the last um, season or two as as skipper last year, um, and, and I think, would it be fair to say the team has underperformed given the expectation around going into the last couple of seasons that it was, you know, we're going to be right up near the top and, and playing in the final? Yeah. As, um, what, what, yeah. what needs, yeah, what's got to change? Well, I think you're, you're fair in your assessment. We haven't played as well or as consistent as we would like. You know, our, our best is very good if you mix it with anyone, obviously, as we showed at various times last year. And we just missed out in the finals and it was the back of a couple of indifferent performances while we missed out. So we've just got to be a bit more consistent. And I think everyone learns from that, whether you're Chris Lynn, the captain, or younger players come in or, or coaching staff, you're always trying to find the best way to, to play the game and, and our blokes will learn and, and learn from your mistakes and get better. So, you know, you, you trust in what you're trying to do and, you know, as I said, the, the, our best is very good, uh, as most teams are, I suppose, but we're gonna, when we're having an off day, we've just got to be a lot better. Mm. If you've got to get up and have your, have your shot, mate, we don't mind. We can hang on for a sec. If you've got to go and whack yeah. one of those big left-handed 300-metre drives out there, you can. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'd be nice. <laughs> I don't try and compete with these young blokes anymore. They eat them a long way. <laughs> oh, jeez. Hey, um, a lot of talk at the moment, Buff, around this switch hitting, and we saw that amazing six last night from Maxwell. What a hundred metres switch hitting. What What are your thoughts on it? Do, is it? Are you for it? Are you against it? Do you think the batsmen are getting a, an unfair advantage? No, oh, I don't have any problems with it, lads. Whatever you know, it's exciting for the game, isn't it? And you know, if someone can do that, you know, so be it. So. For me, it's just part and parcel of the game. They've developed a skill that's actually exceptional in in a different format. So why wouldn't they be able to play it? I know there's a lot of people saying out there they've got to have some rules around it. But you know what 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 the game's going forward. It always gets better. I think the game. You know, athletes get quicker, they get faster, they get stronger. Now they can switch hit hit 100 metres. You know, I think it's good for the spectator. It, it puts the onus on the bowlers then too, does it? Are, they, are we going to see different things again this year? There's always something in the big bash of the T20s that we bowlers that come up with a, a, a new ball or something completely different. Is, is, it, is it still evolving? Oh, I think it's always evolving. And the bowlers are evolving in, in themselves and the way they go about it because it is getting tougher for them with some rule changes, etc. And, you know, switch hitting. But, yeah, bowlers, you know, we probably don't give them enough credit. It's a tough game for the bowlers and they're always trying to, work on different skills to implement and different fields and, and different plans. So you'll see that throughout the BBL. Things will change with the different rule changes. Well, actually, on the on the rule changes, what are your thoughts on those three new ones that have been brought into the BBL this year, you know, where you can swap a player out at the 10th over? The actually, yeah, the, the power play now has changed. You can have another two hours later in the uh, two overs later in the innings. I want to go back to that player one. Can you swap a bowler for a batsman, or or does it have to be like for like? No, no, it's, it's whoever you want, really. So what it's doing is probably allowing you, if you're in a bit of trouble, for example, that you can switch a bowler out for a batter, and if you're going well and, and you want one less batter, you can bring in a bowler. So you'll sort of just try and, uh, by by doing it, I imagine, see how trying to make the games a little bit closer if you're in a bit of trouble. Instead of getting bowled out for 100, you might be able to get to 140, 150 and be competitive. So... That's probably the reason for that one. Um, and the two the overs? Point, that, yeah, the two overs, no dramas. I mean, it just changes for the game, and they're seen as an entertainment value for the fans. Uh, as yeah. long as it doesn't get too confusing, that's the thing, and I, I think it'll be okay. The bonus point, well, that runs after 10 overs, and 
I don't think you're going to change too much of the way you play over a whole game. So, you know, those things come into it. Yeah, yeah I, I think I like it. You know, look, let's, I suppose at the end of the day, let's see how they play out at the end of the year and say that worked, that didn't. Yeah, do you, do you think maybe with that, that power play, will that be the coach's call, the captain's call, or a bit of, a bit of a conversation between you both? Oh, a bit of both, I reckon. You know, that power play, if Chris Lynn's batting, he feels like he wants to take it, you're going to encourage him to take it, aren't you? So, um, you know, it's pretty much the players out there, and they'll know the feel of the game and what's going on and what you need to do. So, uh, you know, the first four will be quite exciting. Then you're obviously going to make a choice where those other two overs come into it. There you have it. Darren Buffett-Lehman on Sports Day from the week. This is Jason Matthews. Uh, we're done and dusted for off the bench for another week. Uh, Badge and Sats will be back with you uh, Monday night. Make sure you have a listen to the boys. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.